Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for July 15th, 2018. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jack Steen, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, Women in the Bible. For those of you that are visiting with us, we are in a summer sermon series, i to say that fast three times, on uh, taking your requests. And three different people requested women in the Bible. And one person specifically mentioned Ruth. So that says to me, if three different people made the request for women in the Bible, maybe we still have some issues around women and the church and culture, and we need to talk about those. So it landed on today. And I decided to give Russ and Dan a much needed break from their hard, hard work. They didn't even robe up today um, and use all women in leadership from across generations. So it has been good to hear women's voices. You do know that the majority of churches in America today never hear a female voice from the pulpit. You get one every week. Today you get an overload. We'll be back to normal next week. So here we go. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. My mother was Catholic. And when the priest could not come to perform the last rites as she was dying a couple of months ago, I was the one who offered the Our Father and the Hail Mary over her deathbed while anointing her head with oil olive oil straight from her own kitchen. I offered a blessing on the oil that went something like, this is regular old cooking oil from Mama's kitchen where she cooked us a lot of good food and fed us so well. I trust God with this and with her. Ten days later, when I offered the eulogy at her funeral, I began with the Hail Mary because I guess that's what Baptist women preachers do when their Catholic mamas die. Because Mary was the mother of Jesus, I have often thought that as a mother of sons, I can relate to Mary perhaps even more than I understand Jesus. One of my favorite places that I visited in the Holy Land was Nazareth. I love the Church of the Annunciation, It's all about Mary and God and Jesus, of course. In our church history class, all of my notes just say BVM, Blessed Virgin Mary. It was quicker to name her that way. The Blessed Virgin and the Church of the Annunciation in Nazareth is important to me Not because it's built over the supposed cave where Joseph and Mary lived, but because of all the images all over the walls in that church. Gifts from all over the world of mother and child fashioned and imaged in the culture of the gift. 
every Mary looked like the place that had sent the gift. And I loved walking from that church to the nearby spring to touch the water. The very same water that Mary and the women of the village would have drawn. I loved imagining what they would have talked about on their way to the well about how they wished time would stand still so that their babies would stay babies. I imagined them swapping stories of who was crawling and who was eating solid food. I imagined them telling mother-in-law stories to each other and laughing at their bad hair days. I could picture their strength as they carried the heavy buckets of water back home to begin their daily chores of tending and feeding and keeping. In my way of thinking, the walk back was less talking and more heart pondering. So though, though I do not pray to Mary, I do revere her in my own Protestant way. Madonnas are all over my office and a special table in my home. Her courage, her willingness, her struggle, her grief, her hope, her steadfastness, her commitment, her devotion, her yes to being the mother of Jesus. If there were no other biblical character of faithfulness for us to look to, Mary would be enough for us all. And yet, there are so many other biblical characters, men and women, who serve as towers of faithfulness. When you are in times of struggle, look to the biblical characters, men and women, of strength. The men are plentiful, you already know, but so are the women. Though how many could you name? Mary, duh. Eve, yes. There's Sarah and Esther and Ruth. There's Lydia, Phoebe, and Elizabeth. But did you know that there are 93 women who speak in the Bible? 93! 49 of them even have a name. That's huge. You know how I cannot stand those unnamed characters. These women speak a total of 14,056 words collectively. Roughly 1.1% of all the words in the Bible. But we'll take it. These are the findings of the Reverend Lindsay Harden Freeman, an Episcopal priest who in 2012 embarked on an unprecedented project to count all the words spoken by women in the Bible. With the help of three other women in her church community, as well as highlighters, sticky notes, and spreadsheets, Freeman painstakingly dissected the Bible's new, re new revised standard version. She said, I wanted to know what women in the Bible really said and I was stunned to see that nobody had done this before. The women met in the basement of their Minnesota Episcopal Church, where Freeman served as rector at the time that the project began. They worked to identify each woman who makes a speaking appearance in the Bible, 
how many words she utters and what her larger role is. Their efforts culminated in a book. I have not gotten it yet, but Amazon Prime is on my list. Bible women, all their words and why they matter. It was published in September of 2014. Some of the biblical women are prominent and well-known like Jesus' mother Mary, who utters 191 words, by the way. Mary Magdalene says 61 words, while Sarah, the wife of Abraham, says 141 words. Meanwhile, Eve, perhaps the best-known woman in all of the Bible, only speaks 74 words. Many of the female characters in the Bible go through what Freeman called tremendous trauma. Did you read that opening meditation from this morning? Overwhelmingly, when a woman or girl appears in the biblical text, this rarity heralds an upcoming event as important. So when you see a woman in the Bible, look out, something's about to happen big. But even though these tremendous traumas often come with the biblical women, these women have largely been silenced over the centuries. Freeman says, we have, for whatever reason, overlooked the witness of women in the Bible for all these thousands of years and all the contributions they've made to faith and to world history. We are just finally finding out their stories. Sarah is mentioned the most times, 60 references, followed by Esther, Rachel, Leah, and Rebecca, who comes in at 30 shout-outs. Not surprisingly, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the most mentioned woman in the New Testament. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And then there's all the unnamed women who have made a major impact on our biblical narrative. Jephthah's daughter, and Jairus' daughter, and the Syrophoenician woman who single-handedly was instrumental in helping Jesus turn his ministry outward to be all-inclusive, to be an all-inclusive message that Gentiles and women and indeed all are welcome. She did that. And the woman with the issue of blood and the bent-over woman and the woman caught in adultery these and so many more nameless women that we only know in relation to some man in her life or by her own calamity. And then there are the more minor female players of the narrative who may have smaller roles to play, but who make a major impact on the gospel story. Chipron, Pua, you're going, who? Midwives in the Old Testament. They were something. And Eunice and Lois in the New Testament, who taught Timothy everything he knew. And then there's the unnamed Samaritan woman who has the longest recorded conversation with Jesus in the Bible. Reverend Freeman says that reading and analyzing the women's narratives brought their stories to life and helped her to see them as neighbors with important wisdom to offer. She said, I think they have a lot to share with us about what it means to believe, what it means to have faith. And she concludes, we, 
have been transformed. Our little group of four people have been transformed in listening to these women. We have cried over their stories. We have laughed over their stories. Our faith has been increased. I can tell you as a woman in ministry, I cling to the women of Scripture. For all the people, often women, who have opposed my calling and questioned my vocational choice, these women of the Bible give me strength. I went to the hospital just this past Friday afternoon to visit someone who had just come out of surgery. I told the woman at the reception desk that we were the patient's pastors and asked if we could visit with him before he was discharged. She called to the back. Hello? Yes, the pastor and his wife are here to visit. The gracious side of me took a deep breath and said, oh, bless her heart. The more aggressive side of me wanted to say that would be the pastor and her husband are here to visit, but whatever. I'm, grace, I'm grateful that grace was in abundance Friday. You may think, oh, that's nothing, and you're being too sensitive to even notice something so small and seemingly so trivial. But when virtually every single time I mention my vocation outside these church walls, that is the reaction I get, well, I'm just going to have to tell you it gets a little bit old after about 30 years. And if you've not experienced something like that, then there's really no way for you to truly understand what I'm talking about. As far as we have come in women's rights and equality, these women in the Bible stand as reminders that the voices of women have been and still are often diminished. Women have been and are often still overlooked avoided and silenced. Women are still often only recognized in relation to the men in their lives or by some calamity of their own. Women are still often undervalued, and we all know that many women are still treated and trafficked as property to be bought and sold and used and abused. Women are objectified by their outward appearance all the time every day every minute every second of their being and this happens in overt ways and maybe worse in the subtle ways every single day that women are treated this way I am on board with the word submission. I am. If we are talking about what it means to be submissive to God's call on my life. And if we are talking about what it means to be submissive one to another in the way that we take care of and tend and keep each other, I will be submissive to Russ all day long in the ways that he is submissive to me. 
And it's the Esthers and the Sarahs and the Marys and the Lydias to whom I turn to remind me of faithfulness and courage and strength and, yes, grace in the face of discrimination and isolation. The news has been saturated in these last months with hashtag MeToo. Let us not diminish those voices. Let us not silence that movement of women speaking their truth. May we be their advocates for justice, and may we be their place of refuge, because the bent-over woman is still bent over by harassment, abuse, oppression, depression. The woman with the issue of blood is still bleeding among us with her own issues like body issues that lead to eating disorders. And you know, I could go on and on and on with examples of how the woman is still bent over and bleeding among us. She still reaches out for the hem of Jesus' garment to touch hope with her radical and unfailing faith. And I like to believe that when she still reaches out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she will find his robe here. That she, when she reaches out to church, she will find a place of inclusive welcome and healing and wholeness. And of course, I mean that for the men too. Because I know that there are men who are bent over as well. Once there was a woman named Ruth who at first was just a foreigner. And the worst kind of foreigner, she was from Moab. Then, she was someone's wife and someone's daughter-in-law until all the someones died. And all that was left was a mother-in-law who tried to convince Ruth to stay with her own people and remarry in her own land. But Ruth would have none of that. She was bold and brave and forged ahead to build a new life with her Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She did it. She would not be silenced. She would not be dismissed. She would not be put away. She would not be left behind. She worked hard, and she made her own way. And in the end, women gathered around mother-in-law Naomi and praised Ruth for loving her and tending to her better than seven sons, the story says. And Naomi gave birth to Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. And Ruth is mentioned in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. And that, my friends, is a big deal. A widowed foreigner from Moab is listed by name in the genealogy of Jesus. Only five women are listed in that lineup. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Uriah's wife, and yes, you guessed it, 
Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. All the work of carrying and birthing and tending and raising, and only five women get a shout out in the genealogy, and one of them as somebody's wife. I am so grateful to serve in a congregation that gets me, that affirms me, that undergirds my sense of calling. Not all women in ministry are nearly that lucky. But I hope that we will not become complacent or tweak our shoulders while patting ourselves on the backs that we have arrived. There is more work in our world that needs to be done on behalf of women, and we are precisely the kind of church that needs to be leading that charge. So let us pray for Esther's courage and for Ruth's strength. Let us pray for Lydia's faithfulness and let us pray for the steadfastness of Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.